Sometimes we can get caught up into going along with the crowd. Uh, we, we've often heard as we were growing up as kids, talks about uh, peer pressure and things like that, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But we can, as adults, get caught up into that. Uh, sometimes we are uh, nervous about uh, sharing our, 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 our opinions about things. You know, sometimes sharing our faith is one of the scariest things in the world. We don't want to talk about things like Jesus because we're scared that people are going to think that we're, you know, one of those people or that we're, uh, you know, uh, on this side or this side. Um, I, I pray for our bravery. I, I pray for our bravery to share the message uh, of hope is what Christ is. Uh, I pray that we have that, that message that we can share. I, I've experienced that, that same issue. I've had problems, uh, you know, with going along with the crowd in my life. I've, I've, I've been nervous about stating my, my true self at times. Um, Case in point, when I was in my late teens, I think I was like 18 years old, I think I was a, a senior in high school, there on the TV was an advertisement. I was sitting at my grandmother's, and we were watching daytime television. I have no idea why I was there or what I was doing. But I was sitting at my grandmother's, and a, an ad came on, I think it was like one of those Time Life ads, you know? And it was for Nat King Cole, uh, greatest hits of Nat King Cole. And I was uh, enthralled when I, when I heard this. I was taken aback by it. Uh, they were playing clips of it. And here I was, 18 years old, and I thought, oh, I love this stuff. This is amazing. And he was singing Mona Lisa. And the only thing that, that, uh, that frightened me just a little bit is that my grandmother started singing to it. And her voice sounded more like a, a semi backing up. So it was not really tuneful. But it was, uh, I felt like I wanted to explore this type of music more. But I also, at the same time that I was loving this music, and I did order the, I ordered the CD, and, and, and it came, and I was listening to it, and I'd listen to it over and over again. I had a CD player in my car, and I would just listen to nothing but Nat King Cole. I was so hooked on Nat King Cole. I went into his, his, uh, his early library of, of real, like, where he was like a, a, a fantastic jazz pianist, uh, and then his crooner days where he would sing things like Mona Lisa, Unforgettable, or, or uh, Love, which Will has sang here before wonderfully, by the way. Yeah, last week, yeah. But you know what? When I was uh, 18 and loved this music, I was scared to tell people about it. It's funny how music sometimes, we, we put a, a, a label on it like you are this in this group, so you're supposed to like this kind of music. Or if you like this kind of music, then, then we're going to kind of make fun of you. Uh, and, and I was afraid that people were going to make fun of me because I was no longer listening to, you know, rock and roll. I was listening to uh, exploring jazz, uh, early jazz. And Nat King Cole opened doors to other uh, jazz artists that I started to explore. And this was not something that my peers and the people around me were uh, into. And I remember one time my friend uh, Jim 
actually uh, caught me, <laughs> caught me like it was something I was doing in secret, but caught me listening to Nat King Cole because we, we were uh, going into my car and I started the car up and suddenly the song Unforgettable pops up because it's in my CD player. And he turned to me and he said, I didn't realize you were 90. Um, and so, it, it, you know, that status and, and immediately, even though Jim was a wonderful friend, I felt embarrassed because I wasn't going along with what other people were liking. That the things that I liked started to take me on a different path and there's a certain uniqueness. And when it comes to music and pop culture and all of this kind of stuff, many times we feel like we can't say what we truly like because we have to say what everybody else likes. Sometimes we don't, sometimes we do. Today, I am a proud uh, jazz fan, and I have not really many people with me on that, but I still, uh, I love my music, and I feel proud that I love my music. Uh, I don't try to push it in anyone's face, uh, and um, it's one of those things in my life that I'm just okay that that's a part of me. I wish I could say that is the only area in the world right now where we feel, might feel a little bit swayed or pressured to kind of go along with the crowd. I wish, I wish music wasn't the only thing that kind of led us into this kind of group mentality. Sometimes in our lives, we can really get caught up into other things that, that steer us into, into a group mentality. We, we see it many times uh, in, our, in, our, in our politics today where uh, you pick a side. We're so, you know, polar opposites. We, we pick a side. And so if you pick that side, uh, oftentimes you're pressured to like what everything that that side likes or dislike everything that that side dislikes. And we tend to lose some of our individuality, don't we? But we, we, we oftentimes, we're, we, uh, whether we're on this side or whether on this side, if something happens in the world, sometimes we, we want to check and see what this side feels first uh, so that we can know what, what the group is going toward, what the herd mentality is, is going toward. Uh, because we dare not say that we agree with that other side, right? Because then that causes a whole bunch of confusion, you know, and it, we could actually be pressured by some of the people that are on our side. And that's kind of where we've, 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 we've gotten in our world today. People uh, no longer really thinking truly for themselves anymore, but rather thinking for the herd, the cause. And one of the easiest things to get caught up in, one of the easiest things to be a part of, and one of the easiest things to spread is negativity. It is negative. The things that we find that sway people oftentimes to the other side is negative propaganda about the other side. 
You ever, you ever been in a situation, even at, at work or something, where somebody just starts talking negatively about the day? How you doing today? Oh, you know, the snow, you know, we were just doing it this morning. The, the snow, you know, it's just so negative and everything. And then, the, you know, the, the plows, they're always late and everything like that. And you find that people around that not, might not have even been thinking that are now jumping on that conversation and joining in with the negativity. And you'll find that many times when that happens, there won't be a person that stands alone and says, you know what, though, I, I think that the plow people are doing a good job and I like the snow. Many times when, the, when we're spewing the negative and we form that group, the people that want to say something opposite or different either keep it to themselves or they put on a smile and just join in. And oftentimes that happens to where it leads into more negativity and more uh, outlooks and, and, and polarization. And it leads into things where we find things even on our social media, and we've talked about this before, we find things on our social media that is negative, that hates the other side. And we hit that share button. And we hit that like button. Because that's part of the herd that we want to be part of. And we're sucked in because we actually are finding ourselves to get satisfaction out of joining in on negativity. And that satisfaction out of joining in on that negativity eventually grows and it leads into hatred for something or someone. And before we know it, we are part of the herd that hates, that hates. Oftentimes, being the positive voice is the hard one. A lot of times people don't want to hear the positivity. You know, do you know that it even happens in church? Do you know, do you know one of the, the biggest growing movements in the church is what we call an evangelical movement. And some of them are fine, but some of them, they spend every breath talking badly about somebody else. They talk about the other people. They talk about this, the, the scariness of uh, the afterlife. They talk about the scariness of our present time. They talk about all of this stuff. And the pastors go up there in the name of Christ start talking about nothing but negative and hatred. And our world is going to come to an end if we don't vote for this person and all of this kind of stuff. And those churches are busting at the seams with people that are feeling like they want to be a part of this to where they get confirmation that they can be negative, that they can hate something. And then they join in. And what we're fueling is a big, huge crowd of people that just hate people. And then there's our church that tries to be a positive voice. Our church and many, many churches that push that message of positivity. And I'll tell you, the, net, the message of positivity is a tough one. It's a tough one to get people to rally around it because it's easier to get people to rally around the negativity 
oftentimes than the positivity. It's like telling a group of people that love country music that you love Nat King Cole. Who we join, who we get sucked into, can sometimes lead to disastrous results. One person's negative thought can lead to a group of people's negative thought. And it can herd people in to nothing but negativity and hatred. And then what you get is a mob. A mob of people telling each other that it's okay to hate. Many, many, many years ago, there was a guy named Joseph. And we started this story uh, last week. And you can go back on our YouTube if you haven't seen it. Joseph was a person that that walked his own path, that stood alone by himself. And his father loved his responsible side, his, his compassion. His father even gave him a, a new, uh, made a, a new coat for him. And some translations call it the coat of many colors, but some people, uh, historians and stuff, uh, they believe that the translation actually just means a coat with long sleeves. A coat with long sleeves would sometimes be worn at formal occasions. It's not something that you would go out into the field and work in. This was... Uh, uh, a formal coat, and this was uh, because Joseph stood out. He was different. He was unique, and his brothers did not like that. Uh, his brothers, uh, we've looked at this before. Jacob uh, had children with with four different women, two of them wives, and I'm sad to say, two of them were slaves. Uh, the sons made up the twelve tribes of Israel. There was Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin. And I want to point this out too. Uh, Leah did have a girl, uh, and her name was Dinah. She's not mentioned very much in the Bible, uh, but I just want to point that out. The, tw- the 11 brothers that Joseph had did not like Joseph because he was different, because he was a person that had a difference, different opinions. Uh, He had different thoughts, and he had dreams that he often, people when they had dreams in this time, just like they do today, they would discuss them. And one of the dreams, two of the dreams that he had were about that he was going to be a leader of people, including a leader of his brothers. And they hated that. These were older brothers. They did not like Joseph because he was different, because he was a a compassionate person, because he was a thinker, because uh, all of the things that made him different, they did not like. And so what would happen is they would group together and they would start to discuss the ways that they hated Joseph. And that discussion kept on being influenced, and they would uh, encourage people, uh, brothers, to, to say negative things, to talk poorly about him. And it grew. And it grew. It grew out of just uh, disgruntlement, and it grew into hatred. Hatred for their brother. Hatred 
There was a time when they were working out in the fields and uh, jo uh, Joseph was, was asked by his father Jacob to go and check on his brothers because Jacob knew that Joseph, even being one of the very youngest of the, the sons, was the most responsible and he could rely on him. And so he asked him to go check on his brothers who were working out in the fields because oftentimes his brothers were irresponsible and they wouldn't get the work done and they wouldn't do what they were told. They needed to be watched. And so Joseph, standing alone, had to go look and check on the 11 who had built up this herd mentality of negativity that has turned into hatred for their brother Joseph. So hateful that it would have tragic results. The, the Bible says in Genesis 37, 18 through 20, they saw him from a distance and before he came near to them, they conspired to kill him. That negative talk, that disgruntlement had built into something that had created this, this group of guys now they are a mob. They are a mob that, that gives permission for hatred, gives permission for taking someone else's life. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we shall say that a wild animal has devoured him and we shall see what will become of his dreams. They have hated him so much, they have grown that hatred so much, that killing their own younger brother makes sense to them. They feel like that is the right thing to do, because they have encouraged the negativity, and they have encouraged the hatred among their group. Genesis 37, 21, 22. But when Reuben... Reuben was the oldest. Heard this, he delivered him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. Reuben said to them, Shed no blood. Throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but lay no hand on him. He said this so that he might rescue him out of their hand and restore him to his father. One brother out of the eleven. One brother out of the 11 was able to step outside the box and think, what are we doing? This has gone too far. I don't like Joseph either. I don't like, you know, I'm part of this negative group here, but this taking a life, this has gone too far. And he was able to actually express it. But he was outnumbered. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the long robe with sleeves that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. Then they sat down to eat as Joseph struggled in this pit. Imagine, imagine the cries that you would hear from this pit of a young brother that had been thrown into it. And they were so filled with hatred that during the screams and the yells and the pleads for help, they could sit down and actually have a meal. Looking up, they saw a caravan 
of Ishmaelites coming. When Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. For he is our brother, our own flesh, and his brothers agreed. You have one other person that is stepping outside the box just a tiny bit to say killing is wrong. But let's still get rid of him. He's not able to step completely out like his older brother Reuben and say, this is just wrong, this is wrong, he needs to go back to his dad. Because he's so part of it. He's so ingrained into this hatred and this, 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 this uh, negativity that he sees his own brother now as someone that is evil just because he's different. And aside from killing him, he wants to now sell him. He wants to sell a human being. Sell him. They drew Joseph up, lifting him out of the pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. What followed this was a mass conspiracy. They took his coat, the one coat that Jacob gave him, that special coat, and they killed an animal, and they rubbed the blood all over this coat to where they could take it to Jacob, the father that loved the son, and say, your son has been killed by a wild animal. Imagine, imagine hating somebody that much that the grief of a father longing for his favorite son. One of the tragedies of war. You're willing to accept that. You're willing to accept more negativity because of the negativity that you have fed into. It is so easy to get sucked up into a herd mentality where we just only see ourselves on one side. And that can lead us into some awful, awful results. We, we may not be led to kill. We may not be led to violence. But we can be led to where many of the things that we talk about and think about and follow and share are things of hatred, of negativity, things that are putting other people down. We can be so absorbed in thoughts of only anger and, and fear and hatred that we lose sight of what we are called here for. We're not called here to hate people. We're not called here to speak badly about our neighbors. We're not called here to pick who is our neighbor and who we don't allow to be our neighbor. We're not called to be a church that only focuses on the things that are wrong that we hate and the people that we want to keep out. 
We're not called to do that. We are called to love one another as Christ loves us. That's a very positive thing. That's a very, very positive thing. To love one another as Christ loves us. Christ, the person that was continually rescuing people, continually healing people to invite them in to the kingdom of heaven. Christ who broke down walls. Christ who welcomed children. Christ who helped feed the hungry. Christ who loved so much that he gave his life for us. That's that's what we're called here to do. We're not, we're not called to follow herds of, of hatred or negativity. And I'm, I'm not picking a side here. I'm saying both sides. I'm saying it can be politicized. I'm saying it can just be a negative outlook on the day. Every day, every day has a blessing in it. Are we brave enough to mention it? Are we brave enough to mention the love when the tide is going along with the hate? Are we, are we brave enough to not just dwell in the problems, but to talk about solutions? Are we brave enough to love God openly? To love ourselves the way that Christ loves us. And to love our neighbor. And see our neighbor as every person on the planet. Are we brave enough to be positive? Would you pray with me? Gracious God, Help us, help us to think for ourselves. Help us to sometimes shut the voices off of the herd and help us to question and to explore and to gain wisdom ourselves. Help us to decide what, what our gifts are, what ways we can contribute how we can share our generosity, how we can share who we are, how we can share ourselves to make this world better and not worse, to make this world loving and not hateful, to make this world kind, honorable, to love our neighbor as ourselves. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Now, and I'm, a, I'm not trying to tell us to uh, ignore all of the problems in our world. We do have problems in our world. I'm, I'm challenging us to figure out ways that we can be part of the solution and not just echo the problem. I do not believe that we can fight violence with violence. I do not believe that we can fight hatred with hatred. I believe that Christ taught us a different way. I believe the challenge of being a Christian is how do I fix this problem 
in a way that does not cause hatred for someone else, that does not, does not make me sit there and just blame somebody and spread things about that person or this, these people or those things and all of this kind of stuff and just dwell in that. How am I part of the solution of building the kingdom of heaven, which is a kingdom built on love? How am I doing that? That's, that's a challenge. Nobody said Christianity was easy. That's our challenge. I, I hope that you, one of the ways that you can even spread that positivity is I hope that you can share. Uh, the, I hope that you can share this. If you're watching this right now, hit the share button, share it on Facebook. Let people know that we're here. Let people know that there's a different, uh, uh, a church in town. One that, that when, there's a lot of people in our world that are afraid to come into churches or they've been burnt out by churches because of the negativity and because of the hatred and because of feeling unwelcomed. It's our job to make sure that people know that that's not the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is inviting. It's joyful. It's loving. It's kind. Let's spread it. Let's share it. Let's make sure that those doors are open and that everyone is welcome. Love God, love yourself, and love your neighbor, which is everyone. Amen.